Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled Expressions of Self Control, presented by Pastor Jason Potter on March 20th, 2016. Starting with four, it says, By which he has granted us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers in the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, your virtue with knowledge, and your knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. So the, these verses teach us that self-control is a quality, right? And, and there's a, a few takeaways, three, three specific things I would like to talk about that we see specifically from these verses. And the first one is what we've been building up to this whole time, right, is that we have to make every effort, right? It requires work. It most likely isn't just going to be granted to us. So in order for us to, to truly make an effort towards self-control, right, it has to be something that's important to us. Right? We have to start with wanting to build this character into our lives. We can't just say, well, I go to church on most Sundays, and I belong to a small Bible study group or a real link. You know, that's like three solid hours of God every week. Why aren't I starting to see these, these changes in my life? Right? First, we have to want to make these changes. We have to have uh, this desire to become a, a new person. And the second takeaway that we get from these verses is, uh, is to remember that you've been cleansed from your former sins, right? This passage tells us whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. The blood of Jesus Christ was spilled so that each one of us may be cleansed from our sins, all of our sins, right? If we're going to be successful in building this character that God created us to have, right, we have to live, uh, if we want to be successful in living with with discipline and self-control, Right, we should be in the habit of reminding ourselves just how God sees us. Right? And we should be reminding ourselves that we become a new creation as soon as we trusted in Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17 says that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. It says that our old life is gone and a new life has begun. So the third thing that we get here is that we have to practice these qualities. Right? Just like I had to practice to get better at bowling, and just like the, uh, the worship band comes up here and practices their songs early in the morning, right, we have to practice this quality of self-control. So we're going to look at two more, two more solutions that the Bible offers. Right, so the next one is, uh, is living by the Spirit's power, or learning uh, from the Spirit's power, right? Um, so turn to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. I'm there. Um, right, so the, the, uh, um, in, in, this, in this chapter 5 of the Galatians, Paul refers to, uh, to our sinful nature as desires of the flesh. 
right? And he emphasizes this battle that we all face of flesh versus spirit. I'm going to start in verse 16. And it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evidence, evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, which is uh, loving anything or anyone more than God. Sorcery, Harry Potter. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger like we saw in the video. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who does, does such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Now, I used to worry big time about the latter part of verse 21, okay, because it, it follows a list of all these evidences of the flesh, right? All these things that, uh, all these desires, many of these things that, which I've struggled with, many of these things expose my sinful nature, right? And it totally stressed me out because it clearly says that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, it, it caused me to doubt, doubt my salvation. And this is why it's very important for us to actually study the Bible, not just read it. Right? We, we can cross-reference different translations. We can read commentary and footnotes. We can learn from and have discussion with other believers. Right? And what I've learned from, from those methods is that this passage is actually referring to those who live in a habitual lifestyle of these fleshly desires. Right? It's not the, the sometimes failure or the multiple times failure that we all find ourselves falling to. And there's a difference between the, the person who gives in to the temptation to get drunk every now and then, right, and then repents from that moment. And the person whose attitude is, I'm going to drink as much as I want, when I want, I don't care what the Word of God says about it. Right? There's a difference between that, the person who's striving to improve their foul language Right? They're, they're praying about it. They're making improvements in their life. They're asking people to hold them accountable. Right? And the person who says, my bleeping language doesn't hurt anybody. Right? This is just the way I talk, and I don't care what God's will is for how I use my tongue. Right? Add, apply that comparison to any one of these, these things that we just saw on that list. Right? Impurity, jealous, uh, jealousy, fits of anger. Right? God cares about the state of our hearts. And if we make every effort towards self-control by walking in the Spirit, right, then the fruit of the Spirit, which is described in verse 22, those things will start to manifest in our lives. The love, the joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. A couple of weeks ago, sorry, I need I got myself a little spill-proof bottle because that very first time I spilled a little bit of water on 
when I was trying to... to <laughs> so anyways, um, a couple of weeks ago, I started telling myself this, this mantra. Right? I don't know if, if mantra is, uh, is an appropriate word to use, because I think its origins are from Hinduism or Buddhism or something like that. But, uh, but Google told me that it's another meaning for it is that it's a statement or a slogan that's repeated frequently. So I'm going to go with that one. Um, in many ways, it's simply this. It's love God, I'm sorry, it's honor God, love people, be joyful. Right? As often as I can, I remind myself to honor God, love people, and be joyful. I actually spent a lot of time uh, thinking about this, maybe even an unreasonable amount of time. My mind does that sometimes. I just kind of have my own debates with, uh, I have my own debate with myself. Um, but anyway, I was thinking, well, well, one might say, you know, why not love God? Why don't you, why isn't it part of your mantra to love God? Right, because that is the greatest commandment of the Bible. And, you know, I don't see a need to make that a part of, of something that I, I constantly remind myself of and repeat frequently. Right, because I, I would argue that if you don't remember to love God, then you don't truly understand salvation. Right, the consequence that we should all have to pay for our sins and the fact that we don't have to because God gave his only begotten son so that we don't have to experience that, that, uh, those consequences, right? Once we truly understand that, it becomes so simple to love God. In fact, that's the, uh, that's the only response to, to knowing that is to love God. And one can also say, well, what about love people? Why do you, why do you remind yourself to love people, right? If you don't truly love people, then if you don't remember to love people, then you don't truly understand God's grace. And I would actually agree with that statement. There's a lot of truth to that. However, I still need that reminder to love people because people are hard to love. And they really are. Just like we do to others, people give us plenty of reasons to not love them. Yet we're called to show them love and grace anyway, and it's hard. So I, I need that reminder. Right, so honor God, love people, and be joyful. If we apply that to all of our sinful struggles, right? Will this honor God? Right? Will this demonstrate godly love uh, for other people? Or will this show the, the joy that God commands all of us to have? Right? If we remember those three things, this will help us to remember to involve the Holy Spirit and guide us to living with self-control. Right, now, the last solution that we're going to talk about um, from this is... Um, is to lean on God's wisdom or to, to learn from God's wisdom. All right, so please turn to uh, Proverbs chapter 1. All right, now I've, uh, I've heard people explain the purpose of, of Proverbs in their own words. Um, right, but if we start at the very beginning of chapter 1, it tells us very clearly what its purpose is. If, if, you're, uh, if you have the NLT version, it even the, the subtitle of, of the first section is even called The Purpose of Proverbs. Right? And it says this, it says, These are the, uh, the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning of these proverbs and parables, 
the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So one commentary that I read on this uh, defined wisdom as this. It says it's the ability to see people, events, and situations as God sees them. Right? The ability to see people, events, and situation as God sees them. So in this book of Proverbs, right, that's all about teaching godly wisdom, and it's written by King Solomon, who God gifted with more wisdom than any other, right, we see that discipline is emphasized three times in just these few opening verses. Not only that, but we see that wisdom and discipline go hand in hand. It says their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline. Fools despise wisdom and discipline, right? The two go together. So all in all, self-control and discipline are mentioned 26 times throughout the book of Proverbs. So it's making it very clear that if we're seeking to grow in God's wisdom, if we're learning from God's wisdom, using all the tools uh, that he, he provides us in our life to become wise, to see the world and see people how God sees them, right? if we're focusing on that, then we will also grow in our ability to have self-control. So, what does, what does expressing ourself um, with self-control actually look like? Right, we opened this, uh, we opened this whole segment with, uh, with some examples from our sports, sports culture on how to not have self-control. Right, I'd like to close with a, an example from that same sports cu- uh, culture that exemplifies it. Right, it's a story of, a, of an MLB pitcher named Armando Galarraga and an umpire named Jim Joyce. In order to truly understand how big of a moment this was, um, I have to, to talk a little bit about some baseball history. So if you're not a baseball fan, I'm sorry, sorry I don't mean to bore you, but it, it's, it's a little bit important to kind of understand it. So there's a, over 130 years of, of Major League Baseball history. In those 130 years, there's been approximately 400,000 games played. Only 21 times has a pitcher thrown a perfect game. Okay, a perfect game is where nobody from the opposing team reaches base the entire game, right? There's no hits. There's no hits. There's no errors, right? One pitcher faces 27 batters and gets every single one of them out. 21 times this has happened out of 400,000 games. Right, so that shows of how big of an accomplishment, how huge of an accomplishment this really is. Well, one day, um, Armando Galarraga, who was a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers, he got the first 26 batters out. Right? He was one out away from a perfect game. Right, the 27th batter comes to the plate and hits a ground ball, and he's clearly out at first base. Now, Jim Joyce, who's a 21-year veteran umpire, calls him safe, right? Everybody, including the runner that he just called safe at first base, everybody is in shock, right? Armando Galarraga was robbed as going into the baseball history as one of the very few pitchers to ever have a perfect game. What an opportunity this presented to him to blow up in a fit of rage and act like all the men that we just saw from that video. Right, but instead of doing that, he just simply smiled, and he returned to the mound and finished his job. Right, in his post-game interview, where most everyone would have 
felt that he had the right to talk about what should have been or to badmouth the empire, um, that he responded by saying nobody's perfect. Right before Jim Joyce, the empire was interviewed, he had a chance to see the replay, and he instantly knew what everybody else had known, which is that he blew the call, right? He made a mistake. He cost something. He cost something to someone who was very precious. He responded with humbleness, sorrow, and remorse. Right? He, it, with, with tears, he even said, I just cost that kid a perfect game. Right? The very next day, uh, a very emotional Jim Joyce walked on the baseball field and started heading towards home plate. Instead of the manager walking out to turn in the lineup, uh, or Galarraga took his place and he walked out there so he could confront the umpire. Now, it doesn't appear that the two men actually spoke any words as they shook hands, but everything about Galarraga's, de- Galarraga's demeanor, right, from his facial expressions to his body language, everything communicated love, grace, and forgiveness. In the final moments before he returned to the dugout, right, the umpire dropped his head and he wiped away some tears. And Galarraga reached out and he patted him on the shoulder. He was consoling the person who who just wronged him the day before. Joyce returned that pat on the shoulder, and the world got to see an example of two men uh, showing the ultimate respect for one another. Two years later, they released a book together called Nobody's Perfect. So of those 21 names on the perfect games list, even the most diehard fans wouldn't be able to tell you but a, a portion of them. I love baseball, and when I read the, the list a couple days ago, I only recognized a handful of names on that list. Right, so as, as great of an accomplishment as that is, you know, as time goes on, it really just is another name on the list. But the way that Armando Galarraga conducted himself, the way he responded to that situation, right, the godly character that he displayed while the whole world is watching, right, that's something that will not be forgotten. His name will carry on a different meaning at a much different level. Now, none of us will likely ever have that, uh, that kind of platform, right, to express self-control, you know, you know, anywhere close to that magnitude anyway. Right, but we're all presented with opportunities to make a difference to those around us. Right, we, we're all presented with opportunities to bring uh, God honor and glory by showing and, and exampling wisdom and, and discipline and self-control in all aspects of our lives. Right, so the, the, we saw two different very extreme examples. Right? We saw the crazy anger and we saw the loving grace. And those two examples um, that we saw shows us exactly what Proverbs 29.11 is talking about. And it says this. It says, Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for every opportunity that you bring into our lives. Lord, we know that, uh, that every one of us was, is struggling with our own set of, of sinful desires, Lord. We know that every single one of us has our own battles of, of self-control. And, and, and we know that the, you know the Bible clearly states, Lord, what it is that's going to bring you honor and, and how you want us to respond to certain situations where, where we do uh, show your love and, and we bring light to the to to your kingdom, Lord. And I just pray that as we go through this week and as we go through the rest of our lives, Lord, that we recognize those opportunities, Lord, and that we're reminding ourselves of the love and the grace that, that you showed us by giving us your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. And as we approach Easter and we, and we get ready to celebrate 
you know, just what it is that Jesus did for us, Lord. I just ask that you remind us of this time to, uh, um, you know, that, that we do have work to do in these areas, that we, that we do have to make and give you our very best effort in order to be able to control ourselves and act upon a way that that's brings you glory and, and is honorable to you, Lord. And I just ask that you lead us in that direction, Lord, that you remind us to follow the Spirit and that you use us to, to show the world what kind of character you want people to have, Lord. Lord, we thank you for every blessing in our lives. And we pray that we walk out of here with a, a heart of gratitude and our eyes are open to everything you want us to be in this world, Lord. Pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505 792 8737 or email us at info at soul at soul we're a community of followers of jesus christ committed to live by faith to be known by love and to be a voice of hope to our community we invite you to go with us on this journey